Charlie, I don't think we're ever going to get it right. We you probably know, won't. It's either it's too loud or too soft with you. <laughs> to me, yeah, to me, it sounds like I'm quieter than Joe in my ears. Welcome to Unimed's Innovation Overground, where we dig into some of those amazing discoveries that we often hear about but never seem to touch our lives for whatever reason. Uh, we're here to find out what it takes to make those academic discoveries and innovations into things that actually live on a shelf somewhere. Um, thank you for joining us. We're sponsored by Unimed, the Technology Transfer and Commercialization Office for the University of Nebraska at Omaha and the University of Nebraska Medical Center. My name is Charlie Litton. I'm joined by Joe Rungi. He's a patent lawyer in our office. Hi, Joe. Hi, Charlie. I'm a little intimidated by your eliteness. <laughs> I've never heard that before, uh, as far as you know. And I'm also joined by Tyler Scher, who is a licensing specialist in our office. Hi, Charlie. He's got a, a, a fetish for 3D printing. And, well, those are the only ones I can talk about. Don't tell um, everybody. <laughs> yes. Uh, Joe, it's been your custom to talk about other things other than eliteness. Got it. Please make a, a review of the podcast and please uh, leave a rating. That's how other people can discover it. We like doing this and want as many people as possible to hear the stories we have to tell. It, uh, that does help us uh, expand our reach. And we don't want to talk about just Nebraska stuff. Uh, we want to talk about stuff throughout this country, maybe even the planet, because we want to show how... Um, universities everywhere are help improving all of our lives. Right now, your earballs are on the front porch of academic discovery globally. I couldn't have said that better myself. Let yeah. it sink I, in. I, uh, yeah, just let that one soak in. Um, but For I, like eight minutes. But speaking of the world, I think it's about time we went over something. We, we've kind of been kind of, um, I don't know, I, I feel like we've been ignoring it and gave it short shrift. It's, uh, it's malaria. Malaria is a big big global problem it's not something that we feel here though it's um it's a it's a third world issue mainly in africa um but it, it affects i don't know let's see the 216 million some odd cases um 450 i mean we're talking about over almost half a million people die every year not really in the united states but if you compare that to say pancreatic cancer, we're talking about 331,000 people dying every year. So malaria still affects more people than pancreatic cancer, but, we're, but we know all about pancreatic cancer because that touches Americans, right? It killed Steve Jobs. That's right. Yeah. Is it Jobs or Jobs? I think it should be Jobs. It's officially Jobs. <laughs> Is it Jobs? No, it's Jobs. Okay. <laughs> it should be Jobs. That's how he pronounced it. Yes. The Arrested Development version of it is Steve Jobs. Yes. <laughs> that's my problem. I've been watching that. Okay. Um, anyway, so, you know, when you look at uh, – I want to get back to malaria, if that's all right. Yes. Sorry. Um, the <laughs> – I don't know. It might be more fun to talk about old canceled sitcoms. Um, no. The, uh, the thing about malaria in, is – it's the, the most vulnerable for it, as far as I can tell. And correct me if I'm wrong on some of this, but I think it's kids, especially young kids. So like a kid dies like every two minutes or something from malaria. Yeah, as far as I'm aware, it's still the number one killer worldwide of children under five. <clears throat> um, malaria has been such a ubiquitous human disease that uh, we've actually, we have an adaptive evolutionary trait for overcoming it, which is almost as bad, but it allows kids to survive called sickle cell anemia. So, um, oh, really? Not great, obviously. It doesn't... Uh, well, I mean, the evolutionary part is is that there's a trait that if you're heterozygous for it, you're... You're what? 
uh, sorry, if you, there, there are two copies of every gene in your body, Charlie, right now. I mean, probably, I mean, who knows if you're haploid, but how many chromosomes you have, whatever. But the, the, the point is most people have two copies of every gene. And so if you have one copy of, of the sickle cell gene and one regular gene, then you are slightly more protected from malaria infection because of the, the shape of your blood cells. You get two copies of the sickle cell gene, though. That's bad. You get sickle cell anemia, your blood cell, your not the platelets, your red blood cells are shaped in such a way where they are unable to uh, efficiently gather through your your blood vessels, and so they accumulate and they and it's it's very uncomfortable and, and really sad. If you're your heterozygous for it, meaning you have a copy of both genes, you're slightly protected for uh, malaria. And yeah, that Tyler's point there is that malaria has been a, a such a, a problem in in human health that it's affected our evolutionary trajectory. That's crazy. I didn't. I didn't yeah. realize that. I didn't even think of that. Great job, Tyler. Yeah, thank you. Wow, you're like a scientist. That's why I'm here. <laughs> That's what a PhD gets. That's in. That's why we got him in here. That's pretty cool. Um, but I mean, I, I think what's relevant for us and and maybe for our listeners is that, you know, that kind of thing because it's in a third world country or it affects third world countries more often. I should say, um, there's not a lot of money to be made, right? It's harder to make, that's for sure. You know, I mean, because you're not uh, the the access to medical care is so thin, right? That I mean, you're watching 60 Minutes and there's not tons of drug ads for malaria. You know, are you suffering from the heartbreak of malaria? Right, and so there's not a lot of motivation for large companies to right. to throw a lot of resources into it. Exactly, and and I think that also comes back then to what is the goals of tech transfer, and so to let our listeners in on the joke and why I'm walking around this thing is we have a researcher at, at UNMC, Jonathan Venerstrom, as a chemist, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. And he found a way to take, you know, a treatment for malaria. I think the traditional treatment for malaria used to be like a several doses over several days. And we're talking about countries where it might be several miles of a walk, not right. even a vehicle, uh, but you had to walk to a clinic or something like that. And so- Continuing those course of treatments was often sporadic, and that's why I think you have – that's why it's a bigger issue in third world nations. So, yeah, dr- uh, like pharmaceutical compliance, you know, making sure people that's follow regimens of drugs. Yeah, yeah that, that's definitely an issue. Okay, so what uh, what uh, Dr. Vennerstrom – and it's a whole team of people. This doesn't happen in a vacuum. He, You know, it's – I think even international, I think there are some India um, – uh, collaborators involved, uh, but anyway, I think he he drove the ship on it and found a way to make it so it's a three dose regimen over three days. Boom, cured. You're welcome. Out the door you go. But still, I think compliance is tough. And he's right. he's got a. I think right now in clinical trial, it's a single dose, one dose. You come in, you get your shot. Out the door, boom. Cured. So, so Dr. Venderstrom's in Africa right now administering these? No, I, I think no. He's he's here, okay. but I think what what because I just saw him. So yeah, no, I did too. I was like oh, a couple weeks ago. Um, but I think what's what's relevant for us is that that's not something that you make money on. It's not something that you can push in development. I think the only reason why this drug gets made is because it caught the attention of the uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, who threw a I don't even know how many millions of dollars into the medicines for malaria. Uh, what's it called? Uh, it's just medicines for malaria. I think it's uh, it's a foundation. I think. Um, anyway, they're and they're working to just to just cure the disease, and so that's what kind of healed the the results of that. But from a tech transfer point of view, I think it's it's a really good example on that that shows you know what we're all about, right? 
Yeah. So, you know, this, this really highlights how ultimately the point of technology transfer isn't to make money. The point of technology transfer is to make therapeutics or things that can help people. Medicines for, for malaria venture. Thank you, Joe. That was the, I forgot the venture part. Right. Well, and, and I think like to your point, though, is, is spot on that had uh, the university, you know, pursued a traditional licensing model to a pharmaceutical company, that would have been more difficult because ultimately the developmental funds that came, you know, came for more of a charitable purpose. Right. And so, and, and I think it really fits Dr. Vennerstrom's model, which is very collaborative and he had a really good network of, of, of other chemists to sort of, that, that really knew the really bizarre life cycle of the malaria parasite that they're trying to treat. And malaria is a different type of disease. It's, it's not a, a bacterial infection. It's not a viral infection. You're, you're sort of dealing with, it's protozoa, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, and so it's you're, a parasitic. Yep. Yeah. You're dealing with a parasitic disease, which again is, is just not as common in more established drug markets. And so, um, you know, the whole point of, of why we talk about all of these different stories the business angle is always interesting, but the business angle is a means to an end, which is how do you take innovative research and, and turn it into an actual thing? And, and I think it's just showing that it, the model is there. And you know, while if there is huge commercial success, we need to be a part of that. But that's secondary. That's the, the second factor. The first one is how do you touch people's lives? The um, just a just a you know, so I don't forget, before I forget uh, the name of that drug that he invented is. Uh, Synrium? I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. S-Y-N-R-I-A-M. And as for what it's worth, Dr. Venestrom was also uh, awarded the American Chemical Society's um, was it a, Award for Creative Invention. So he joins some oh, Nobel laureates and stuff who have also won that award in the past. That's um, I, I think that's the biggest award they give. So yeah. it's, that's no small potatoes. Uh, but I think it's also worth noting too that you know this wasn't a license that we pursued, or we you know we just gave that to the uh, to the to the medicines for malaria venture group. I think right. Yeah, and and you do what you got to do. You know, have it. Well, and Unimed's engaged um, in our campus, and tech transfer offices are engaged throughout the country in facilitating early stage research collaborations. And so oftentimes those are universities sharing resources to do research they couldn't do by themselves. And you know, we do a lot of those. Uh, in our office, we do, you know, 500 research contracts a year. And most of those are pretty simple. Some of them are a little bit more complicated. But it just goes to show that, um, you know, the the need to sort of facilitate those opportunities is important and to sort of follow these projects cradle to grave. Yeah, the, uh, the, the one thing that, um, that I think is kind of cool, though, is, is you know, with if Benestrom's, if this new single-dose thing works, you're looking at something that will have a global impact that started here in little old Nebraska, or at least in Omaha, and um, it's going to have more of an impact than if he were to cure pancreatic cancer. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, and, and I think, um, you know, you look at that global impact, right? And I think Tyler was talking about how great ideas can come from anywhere. And I, I, I think that the, the thing that isn't the problem is the lack of great ideas. There's great ideas everywhere. It's Dr. Vennerstrom with this combination of you know, international collaborators with forward-thinking administration with a bit of luck and a lot of money from a charitable foundation was able to really line up this opportunity to get a drug in a clinic that you know shows real promise to really address a disease that's a horrible skirt. You know, but how rare is it that we can take something that um, that a pharmaceutical 
excuse me, the pharmaceutical firm or, or something like it might have a, a hard time saying yes to. Yes, let's fund it because I could, let's, take, let's take orphan drugs, for example. You know, those rare diseases that don't affect a huge amount of people but are very serious um, and can be devastating to I mean, families we're talking about. I mean, how do you, how do you fight that resistance? Um, it just goes back to why this is difficult, right? You know, um, the, the guy who trained me how to do this job, he was very fond of saying, Every time you're reaching out to a company, you're saying, hi, you don't know me, but I have the next thing you're going to spend $300 million on. Wow. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah. and, and I think that- Get um, your checkbook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, there needs to be what's in it for them, right? And so you need to convince them that, you know, this is going to be worth the risk. And, and for a pharmaceutical company, it's going to be a return on investment. You know, for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation- it's a different pitch. But in the end, the process is the same. You're just, you know, trying to show a different upside. You know, it's, it's interesting you say that because I think when you factor in the cost of failure, I think it's about a billion dollars on average mm-hmm. to bring a new drug to market. That's a, a billion with a B. I mean, think about what you could buy an island and hollow it out and have an evil lair inside. Is that the going rate for supervillain lairs? I think so. <laughs> okay. A billion. I mean, you could. That, I haven't and, checked in a while. And then you could have missiles and sharks with lasers on their head. Yeah. We are really going into the Austin Powers. I, <laughs> <laughs> Definitely down. I, I mean, that's just, that's just a crazy amount of money, and it makes you stand back and understand why they're so unwilling to. To, to take, uh, you know, to hold our hand or to step with us on something so early. So years and years ago, I was always really reticent to take the big swings, you know, just because the, the numbers are so eye-popping, right? Billion yeah. dollars, right. hundreds of millions of venture capital raised, you know, $500,000 a year development budgets. You know, what's going on with that, right? And I kind of quickly, re- like, I was actually at a conference and yelling at someone saying that there's no business consideration in any of this. And, and he sort of came back and said that, you know, there's a difference between like innovation and other types of, of business opportunities. There's a lot of ways you can get 5% back, you know, on a reasonable return for things. But those projects are ways to, you know, make existing businesses more efficient. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's a real desire for other types of opportunities, things that are really going to be paradigm changing in in how products are delivered or how people live their lives. And, and that's, I think, where the universities need to live. We need to sort of own that crazy, right? It's like, hey, we have a malarial drug that only requires one dose. And like, I, you know, people are like, well, most drugs require one dose. But no, it, it's a big deal, right? That, that changes right. people's lives. Yeah. And that's an audacious thing to say to a bunch of people who are like, I have to walk you know, 20 miles to go get my malarial drug three times, you know, that's, right. that's unfathomable, I think, for a lot of people with comfortable lives, but it's that or get or die of malaria. So, yeah, the, you know, we're talking about that, um, <clears throat> about that cost of development. I think that might explain it's maybe actually we're running out of time. So we're gonna have to, we'll probably have to pick this up next time. But I think that might explain why we're having a problem with the antibiotic pipeline. So I think mm. maybe we'll just... That is a good topic for another episode. We'll just hit that next time. All right. Let's come to ground then uh, for Joe and Tyler. This is Charlie Linton saying thank you for joining us. Be sure to uh, be sure to like us and subscribe us and, and recommend us to others. Tweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Is Snapchat, it? that's a thing still? I think so. Tinder swiping. <laughs> I'll look All for right. it. <laughs> All right. Thank you for joining us on the Innovation Overground.